Hello, everybody. We are in Matthew chapter 7. While you're turning there, um, I thought it was helpful the way one commentator laid out some of the arc of the teaching that Jesus was doing. Back in Matthew 6, uh, there was the passage in verse 19 that says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And the warning there, as this commentator put it, I think is helpful. It says, Jesus is warning against the pitfall of materialism. A little further down in verse 25, we have this section that says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing, and so forth. He says this is guarding against the pitfall of worry and anxiety. And I should, I should add that, as an aside, that uh, anxiety is one of the most pervasive problems that I see in my everyday work. Um, it's incapacitating at times for people who uh, have this. Um, it's, it's a difficult problem to, to grapple with and often has many things that feed it. And uh, I consider the problem of anxiety uh, a very serious one. I often have people look to Philippians chapter 4 which talks all about anxiety. Pastors of course talked about that recently Um, but it's uh, it's certainly important and then today's passage that starts in chapter 7 of verse 1 the pitfall of a judgmental attitude the pitfall of a judgmental attitude so we'll start there, and we're going to branch out a little bit and look at this uh, topic of judging, um, the specific category, but also more generally um, as well. Verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. For most of his 33 years, Jesus was in a carpenter shop, we presume, working with his dad, we presume, I'm guessing there was probably a fair amount of sawdust, chips of wood flying in various uh, ways. So I would imagine that Jesus has had some sawdust in his eye at some point along the way. I don't know if there was some sort of heavenly force field that kept that from happening. I don't know. But at the very least, he probably had seen it in other people's eyes. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do I not notice the log that is in your own eye? So this first verse, as Dad alluded to last week, um, the, probably the second most famous verse in the whole Bible, 
Uh, we're hoping that John 3.16 is the, 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 the first um, uh, uh, in awareness. Uh, that may or may not be true, but certainly most people have heard, judge not that you be judged. And it seems to be a blanket halt statement to anyone that would um, want to criticize. And, uh, of course, like most things in the Bible, well, it's just more complicated than that. It's just more complicated than that. So let's look at it. It's worth, if you want to flip over to the right to chapter 6 of Luke, Luke chapter 6. Luke's chapters are long. Um, This is uh, halfway through, verse 37. Uh, We know Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic gospels. They're they're consistent in various ways with each other. So this is a parallel passage in Luke, chapter 6, verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So there's some principles that we can start to build here uh, from just these parallel passages. Uh, I think it's fair to say that one of the assumptions we can make is that we have a tendency to notice when people are doing things differently than we do or differently than we think they should do. Is that fair to say? I don't think there would be this warning against the against the pitfall of a judgmental attitude if that wasn't something that we were prone to, being the sinful crew that we are. Uh, so yes, we notice. We notice when things are different. We notice when people act different from our rules. Uh, one of the one of the authors that I've really enjoyed and been influenced by through the years, a guy named Gary Friesen, was speaking on the general topic of the will of God, but he, he made the point one time that if you gave a sheet of paper to a group of Christians, and this might be an interesting thing to do, and he said if you had them write down a list of the top ten things that Christians should probably not do and gathered them all up, he said no two lists would be the same. Everyone would have a different list, and the priorities would be different. There would be some things on the list that people would say, oh, well, clearly that's fine. That's fine. I can't believe that's on your list. And that, that same person would have things on their list where the other person would say, well, well, okay, but I can't believe that's on your list, right? So we all have different, and that's this, this general niche of 
what we call Christian convictions, right? Things that we feel strongly about. And as it turns out, the whole point of convictions is that they're kind of personal. They're things that God has kind of spoken in some way to me. But when I try to impose my convictions on someone else, it gets a little it gets a little blurry there because thankfully for the Christian, there are large areas of um, freedom within the bounds of Scripture. So, so that's one point. Um, but then there's things you might say, well, clearly this is beyond Scripture. So there's some, some areas there. But the point is, we do notice and we tend to call out or we are prone to call out when we see things that we don't agree with. So is Jesus saying don't have an opinion? Is he saying judge not, period? Don't You just can't speak your mind about things? Well, no. The, the teaching about this is much broader. In fact, if you go down to... I stopped at verse 5. If you go to verse 6, this seems to be one of the most honestly strange permissions that Jesus would ever give because he basically says you have my permission to withhold my teaching from those that aren't going to appreciate it. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I'm giving you truth here and if somebody's not having it Move along. Don't tell them. Does that involve a judgment? I don't think you're worth it. Right? That's crazy. So, you can't have verse 1 that says, judge not. And if you think that means never having an opinion, never making a decision, never trying to have discernment of what's right and wrong, then how in the world... Do you make a decision like verse 6? Who to decide to spread this word to? Now, there is a little... I'll give you the, the, the answer to the part of this dilemma. Remember our context here. This is, this is pre-Christian times, right? This is, yes, Christ is on the scene, but the resurrection hasn't happened. Uh, the gospel door hasn't been opened. Um, pigs and dogs, these were Gentile references, they literally wouldn't get it. They wouldn't get it. And you'll remember, except for a few uh, interactions, like the Samaritan woman, for example, uh, the vast majority of Jesus' teaching were to the Jews. They were the one who had all this foreshadowing, right? Adam and Eve, the fall in the garden, Noah, Moses, the rebellion, the rescue, and the Jews are the ones that had all this history. They are the ones that had the context. They are the ones that had the most hope of putting it all together. Um, so that's where the focus was, and that's that little verse there, because later we are told, what? Even in Matthew, we are supposed to go to the other parts of the world. We are supposed to spread the gospel, right? So this, this wasn't a forever um, command, but it does speak to the idea of, yes, you can have some judgment. So, 
lots of scenarios. Are there ever going to be times when people have differences of opinion about things? Let me rephrase that. Is there ever a time when people aren't going to have <laughs> differences of opinions about things? Of course we are. Um, and some of it's good natured and fun. We can have good discussions. And some people kind of, people hunker down into their respective corners and kind of gear up for a fight, right? And that's when we really have to be careful. So point number one is that we are going to um, notice these differences of opinion. Point number two says basically be careful. Have some humility here. We might say let's do a gut check or more accurately let's do a heart check. All right. What's my... Where am I heading with this? Am I more offended by what I'm seeing or what's being told to me? Or am I more concerned about this person and the tension that I feel between us? Do I have concern about the person? Do I have concern about the relationship? Or do I just want to be right? One of Dad's early admonishments to me was, Art, Nobody likes a smart alley. <laughs> so that sometimes it's just not that important to be right. I have to tell myself a lot, and I do recall on that. Thank you for that, Dad. <laughs> I have to tell myself a lot. And, you know, one of the values of being in community with each other is that we rub shoulders with each other. We, we, we hear opinions that might be different from ours, but... If you love the other person, you can look over a lot, right? Every family has a crazy uncle or a crazy aunt, right? Dad says, or both, or hypothetically, let's say. But we love them and say, oh, that's just Cousin Larry. You'll just have to look over him, right? He, he means well, right? But when these conflicts come up, am I concerned about the person? Am I concerned about the relationship? I'm going to post some, some verses up. Um, but uh, there's lots of teaching about resolving conflict between believers, between unbelievers. This concept of judging, discernment. Um, so... There's this awareness that something's going on. We should have this awareness. Why is this creating this reaction in me? Am I just offended? Do I just want to get on my podium and make a point? Um, it, do I see this person heading towards some danger that I really, I'm worried about them. I'm worried about our country. I'm worried about my organization. I'm, you know, I, I feel compelled to say something. All right, and then Jesus would say, be careful how you say it, because the grace that you're going to package along with your content is going to be the same grace that's going to come toward you. Right? Um, the Bible doesn't teach the concept of karma. That's a pagan concept. But there is just one of the truths of life that 
that fits with this uh, concept that, you know, it says what you dispense may be what you get. There's another concept just to have in the back of your mind, um, kind of partner concepts. One is, uh, and this is especially if you're a third party, kind of observing what's going on. Um, when do you intervene? Is there a place to intervene? One is, do you have authority? Right? Are you a parent breaking up a couple of kids? Are you a boss settling a dispute that's come up? Do you have um, maybe someone in your class that you're teaching? Okay, do you have some authority? That's one thing to just kind of think about. The second thing is a concept that uh, is not original to me. I'll give credit in a moment. Um, this concept of passport. A passport gives you permission to go into another country. Do you have passport to intervene? Do you have a relationship with these people that you're considering um, involving yourself in? Are they going to respect you? Are they going to take it right? Um, do you, in essence, have their permission to get involved with this if, if you're kind of the third party? So that's a concept to think about. Um, this plays a part, like, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, Paul admonishes this, this church. Um, it says, It's reported that there is sexual immorality among you of a kind that's not even tolerated among the pagans for a man to have his father's wife. And you're arrogant. In other words, you're bragging about this. We accept anybody. Right? That's basically what he's saying. He said, Let him who has done this be removed from among you. And Paul puts himself in this position of authority. He said, He said, You get with God, and in my spirit, I'm with you too. You guys need to deal with this. So Paul, as an apostle with some authority, having helped found this church and guided this church, He's kind of pulling rank a little bit and say, you guys need to deal with this, right? Um, Any times you want to throw shots at a pastor, think about all these little dilemmas going on. Which ones do they feel that they need to deal with or not deal with? And, and feeling the weight of that, right? That's a, that's a big deal. What about if you just are head-to-head with somebody. Um, I, was it last week or week before that pastor talked about the, t- the two gals in Philippians who were both involved in ministry and they just weren't getting along? Um, I, I hear that you'd be surprised how many times I hear these stories in the office. Um, I'll ask somebody, you know, or I'll know that maybe they're a church-going person. I'll say, well, you know, what's going on? You know, uh, how's, how's that going? It's a Eh, hadn't been in a while. What happened? Oh, well, I fell out with so-and-so. You know, we were on this committee and blah, blah, blah. I think committees are partially of the devil. Uh, but maybe poorly run committees. But, you know, um, Paul speaks to this uh, just one chapter over, 1 Corinthians 6. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous and the saints? In other words, you guys work this out. You know, why are you taking each other to pagan court? Why aren't you working it out amongst yourselves? Um, Good teaching there. 
Um, there's a lot. I want to show, just in closing, uh, where those of you that are interested in this can get good biblical content for free. It is extremely unusual that I would ever uh, highlight uh, a particular organization, but um, many of you may be familiar with uh, Ken Sandy, who originated Peacemaker Ministries. Uh, years ago, when I taught a class in this room, we went through some of his teaching on biblical peacemaking. He has expanded that to an organization he calls uh, Relational Wisdom, but it includes a lot of free content. I want to show it to you, and I would encourage you to write this down. The website is rw360 dot org and and I just want to show you this real briefly because um, you can read about their statement of faith it's very much in line with ours this is an evangelical guy so this is the home page if you just scroll up life is all about relationships we know that there's scripture all over this the tons of organizations seminaries and everything that have used his content but if you go down to this thing on where it says peacemaking and click there um, he wrote this book called the peacemaker which is excellent and if you scroll down there is so much content that most people would charge lots for but he's offered this for free for so many times I would call your attention to several things the four G's the biblical system for resolving conflict is cap captured by the four G's Glorify God, get the log out of your own eye, gently restore, and go and be reconciled. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. I'd call your attention to this diagram called the slippery slope. This is uh, something he has used for years. Many of you may have seen this. When we are in conflict, we tend to do one of two things. To the left are what he calls escape responses, denial, flight, in extreme cases, suicide. And to the right are we attack, assault, litigation, and even murder. He is calling us to what he calls these peacemaking responses. The first one to the left, sometimes you just need to overlook something. Give somebody a break. Spread a little grace. Maybe they just had a bad day. You don't have to pick a fight every time there's an opportunity. Reconciliation, negotiation, the point with those three, these are things that you can just do one-on-one. -on -one. Another principle is if you're in conflict with somebody, keep your mouth shut. Just go talk to the person. We're going to come across this in Matthew 18 and spend even more time on it. To the right, these are peacemaking things that you can do with the help of someone else. Mediation, arbitration, accountability. Um, you get the idea. This is great content. I've shown you how to navigate there, and I highly recommend it. Um, and there is, there is really good information. Uh, I'll call you just to show how much is here you can go down and there's 
this thing that leading Christians through conflict, it's a 70-page PDF course. You don't have to give your name. You don't have to sign up. It's just there. The other one I'll call your attention to when I talk about this gut check, which is really a heart check, the seven A's of confession. If you go through the seven A's, trust me, the person that you're confessing to will have zero doubt that you're sincere and that your heart is right. Anyway, I could go on. We did a whole course on it. I don't know if, is anybody in here for that course 10 or 15 years ago? Uh, it's on VHS, if that tells you anything. All right, you turn the lights on. All right, uh, we're going to leave it there in the interest of time. The bottom line is, um, uh, again, to quote Ken Sandy, uh, where two or three are gathered together in Jesus' name, there will be conflict. Um, humility is a great starting point when you feel yourself starting to get upset. Awareness, awareness, awareness. As If you can just tell yourself, as soon as you feel yourself getting riled up, try to have the awareness that says, okay, where am I in this? Where's my heart? How do I feel about the other person? What log do I have in my own eye? Do I need to say anything? Is this the right time to say anything? Right? There's a lot. But if you could just have that awareness and at least that quick prayer to say, you know, okay, Lord, do I, do I say something or do I just wait? And sometimes the answer is to wait and then consider and be careful uh, when, you, when you try to have that confrontation. All right. All right, we're going to quit. Um, we may pick up here next week. And so if you have story of maybe a conflict that you've had, how you've worked it out, how you've seen God do something that you didn't expect, uh, we may start there next week, all right? Uh, I should add, the whole reason for Christmas is because by definition, we are in conflict with a holy God who, for his own glory, decided we were worth saving. And that's why the choir is going to sing Noel, because that is a very good day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For all of our problems, you have a solution. And his name is Jesus. In his name, bring us to where you want us to be through your spirit. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Check the card table for your cards, and here's some more Bible reading plans. We just